0: Welcome into Nuggets Numbers. Thank you for tuning in on an irregular day for Nuggets Numbers to be posting. Usually I go on Tuesdays and then Fridays for the Denver Stiffs show. But I had a really good conversation with Daniel Lewis tonight, recording this particular message on a Sunday night, uh, and wanted to cut that podcast into two segments. We ran long, about an hour 40 in total. So I wanted to cut those into two manageable segments on Monday and on Tuesday about the NBA draft. Had a really good conversation with Dan about the 2020 draft stars in this first part. Uh, the second part tomorrow will be about Nuggets options at what's currently the 21st pick in the draft. But there's a lot of great talk in here. A lot of great discussion about who we think will pan out, who we think won't pan out uh, atop the NBA draft. And for all of my draft out there that are looking to refamiliarize themselves with the draft before we get back into basketball, I hope you enjoy. Here is my conversation with Daniel Lewis. Welcome into Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. We're recording this early on a Sunday night, and I am joined by an esteemed guest, somebody who's taken a little hiatus because their life got a little bit crazy all at once. I am joined, of course, by Minuteman Dan himself, Daniel Lewis. Dan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's good to hear from you. You have been extremely busy over these past few months. You moved to Arizona for work. Uh, By the way, because we are recording this on a Sunday night, I can wish you happy Father's Day. Because you are, of course, father to a newborn kid. And it's got to be pretty intense, man. How did you celebrate your your first Father's
1: Day? Um, Well, I bought all my gifts early and I (laughs) bought all the food for dinner. (laughs) <laughs> and my wife surprised me with a card, which is nice. But just had a nice day relaxing with family. It was it was a good time. I got a nice. three and a half month old baby, so he still requires a lot of attention. But he's a cute little kid, and uh, we we love having him around. It's awesome.
0: No, it's it's always a new transition. Of course, as as a twenty three year old, it's hard for me to relate. But I'm sure all of the fathers out there can relate to that exact discussion that you just had. Those exact statements of "Hey, kind of, kind of, still have to buy my own stuff, and, and that's okay, but at least I got to relax on this day. That that's okay."
1: Uh, I didn't have to wake up at four o'clock. It was great.
0: Hey, I mean, hey, we're we're taking baby steps now. Taking baby steps. <laughs> uh, well, you are at Denver Stiffs, our resident draft analyst, our guy who we turn to when we're looking for draft takes, when we're, we're looking for good perspective on the upcoming draft class. And while we are still out from the 2020 NBA draft, this is a good time, I think, given that we're, we're in a little bit of a hiatus before the 2019-2020 season resumes, it's a good time to talk about the draft and just get people re-familiarized, I think, with, uh, with some of the prospects that are out there, some guys that uh, – Given the, the way that this draft is, it's, it's going to be very interesting to, to talk about this and from just it's, it's just a clearly a very new draft discussion that we're going to be having, given COVID-19 and, and everything that's gone with it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean normally this time of year is a very busy time um, with the NB draft actually happening, um, but you know now we have to wait several more months. Um, but we don't have any new film. We don't have March Madness. Yeah. Um, we we don't know what they're going to be doing for workouts. So it's just all going to – it's it's normally a crapshoot. You may have a couple guys that you like and that a front office wants to target. But now it's going to be even more difficult for play, for teams that um, didn't do enough – didn't do all the work earlier in the season to try to, to get some film. But even then, you may not have a lot of film against you – know, uh, yeah, honestly, competitive competitive no. teams to, to really get a good sense of what players can do. So it could be a really, uh, you know, if you're doing a redraftable thing five, six years down the road, it could be a, a totally different draft order than what happens when, it, when the NBA draft actually takes place this year.
0: It's going to be fascinating. And given that the – the draft order still isn't finalized. Given that we don't really know what's going on, except for the teams that are, I think, one to eight, one to nine, or so. Uh, one to seven. One to seven. Yeah. See, even less. Like well, there, there's they, so they much still
1: stuff. have to do. They still have to do the lottery. So we we don't even know which teams are going to be seated in the lottery. Then once they do that, then we'll figure out the final order.
0: Woj did come out with a tweet that said that they had set the NBA draft time. Is that
1: correct? He did say that. Um, i believe so i think it's late august but i have a lot going on and i don't remember for sure oh
0: not the lottery i think i think it was the draft the actual draft i thought they said it was No, like- that's that's what i'm saying yeah the actual draft really did i miss that holy cow uh let me let me let me take a quick look at that just to make sure that just to make sure i'm not crazy um 2020 nba draft uh well it said it was june 25th um that is obviously in four days and not going to happen. Um, NBC Sports has it as uh, NBA draft will be on October 16th. The early entry deadline is August 17th. That's probably, okay, That's the probably the, whatever you're thinking about. Because uh, I know that they, they have to do this draft after the, after the, everything that they do right like like after yeah, the after finals? the conclusion of the yeah.
1: season yeah
0: mm-hmm. i mean imagine that uh but it's going to be interesting we're going to we're going to talk about it all uh the first draft that i remember getting really into getting like super invested on okay what's my order what do i think these guys are going to do was 2016 the order that i had for that draft that top four was ben simmons brandon ingram jamal murray and dragon bender so if that was this year, (laughs) pretty good. Like, honestly, like if if that was this year and you got three out of the top four players in the draft, I mean, we could throw in Pascal Siakam and maybe Demontis Sabonis in there somewhere, but like, that's at least those are three hits. I I felt pretty good, but Hey, you can't win them all. That's why I'm still very high on dragon vendor, of course, because I can't handle being wrong. Uh, When did you first get into the draft and, and what, what was the most fun draft that you think you had evaluating and talking about?
1: Um, I kind of started getting into the draft um, back when I was in college several years Mm -hmm. ago, uh, 2013. Um, Well, 2012, I guess more say because I attended Brigham Young University. And you may remember that there was a electric point guard that was taken in the draft back then. That uh, is true. Number 10 by the Sacramento Kings. And I really liked him. And so I kind of wanted, I had a job writing about, you know, where he would fit in the NBA. Um and so i I got into it there, and then I kind of followed it ever since then um the the nuggets you know didn't have very good teams, and so following the jack was you know a lot more entertaining for me for a little while during the Brian sure. Shaw era um and then getting a and Jamal Murray um and back to back drafts was nice um obviously i you know wish they may have tanked a little bit harder, but you know we you we take the take what's there on the board, you, um, its never moved. up again. you know, they're not going to this year there. So, um, but I I actually really liked. I think it was what the twenty seventeen NBA draft was probably one of my favorites that I got into. I felt like I did a really good job scouting a lot of the players. Um, I had a lot more time on my hands to watch games and watch film, and. Um, I felt really confident about the player that I liked most for the Nuggets, and he did not get selected by the Nuggets. Uh, yep. I did not that's know true. who they ended up taking, but um, <laughs> since then, I've, you know, I've, I've been married and <laughs> just with work and things, I haven't been able to get into it as much. And then I could throw a lot better, um, so I, I still keep track of the NBA draft. But I'd say that's probably about eight years, and 2017 was my favorite year.
0: That year, uh, 2017, I remember my top three very specifically. It was Markel Fultz, Josh Jackson, and Jonathan Isaac. And it's it's I guess we could still hold out a little bit of hope for Markel Fultz, but Josh Jackson very clearly bust almost immediately. Jonathan Isaac, we're still unsure, but he 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 was looking pretty good before before his injury this year. So that was that was a really interesting one because you had the number one guy in faults who I think everybody, or at least almost everybody really said, Hey, this is, this is probably going to be your top prospect, no real concerns. And then of course, everything happened to Markel Fultz under the sun. Uh, but the rest of those prospects were, were at the same level. And it, it really was a matter of preference for basically the entire top eight or nine picks or so. And some smart people had Jason Tatum, higher than everybody else and i i know that you're one of those people and that's pretty uh that's pretty important and having make being able to make those distinctions with your draft analysis is really important because that's uh that's one of those drafts that you could get really wrong and teams like the the Knicks with Frank Nealakina and the Mavericks <laughs> with Dennis Smith Jr uh of course, the Suns with Josh Jackson—they got it really wrong. So it's this is all really important stuff, and, and being able to evaluate in in a situation where you you struggle to evaluate most guys—it's it's a it's a real skill.
1: Yeah, I I, I was on Tatum early that year. Um, I, I really liked him. I, I had him as the player I thought would be the best fit um, for the Nuggets <laughs> if they had their pick of anybody in that draft. I thought he'd be the best player um, and he's, he's had an, a very good NBA career so far. Um, but yeah. even guys like Bam at a bio has, has been, he was taken 14 as, you know, had turned into a very, you know, reliable NBA player and a great defender. And um, I, th- I think, you know, because I spent so much time looking at that, I, I see similar players in in this year's draft to that draft class. And um, I, i learned a lot, so I try to use that as kind of a, a foundation for how I'm looking at players going forward. Because um, I think that draft helped teach a lot for me about how you can be successful in the a and and what kind of players you need to try to take risks on and which kind of players you can, for archetypes, you can get later in the draft. You don't have to spend this high draft capital on. Sure. And, and that that really dovetails into the center discussion
0: that I'm sure we're going to have about this draft. This one is really interesting with, with the center. So let's get into this 2020 draft. Uh, a lot has been made about this draft being very weak in terms of stars from, from a public perspective. A lot of the national types have said, Hey, you're, if you're looking for a star in this draft, that's probably not going to happen. I mean, you could get lucky. something could, could magically happen. And if you had to bet on somebody, maybe you could get lucky on two or three different guys. Uh, I'm going to ask you, Daniel Lewis, right on the spot: If you could bet on any one player in this 2020 class becoming a star, who
1: would you take? Uh, by star, do you mean a player that is in the discussion for an All-Star team?
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Let's let's say who's like the the players. Let's say a top 25 player, somebody who is is consistently All-Star level impact at the prime of their career. Uh, those things may not be the same, uh, but but kind of you can you can be flexible with it. Like who who would you consider the most valuable player out of this draft class? As we'll, we'll start there.
1: Um, I think the player that's going to provide the most value and and be the most uh, esteemed among his peers will be Onyeka Onkungu, uh, okay. the center out of USC. Interesting.
0: Interesting, and and as I just talked about, hey, centers are are a really interesting factor in this discussion. Uh, so why why Onyeka and w- what what about his skill set do you think stands out and makes him one of those centers that you think could could stand out above the rest?
1: Um, w- one of the things that I have always uh, kind of looked for in NBA players, I think, is one of the keys to success is uh, something that isn't actually in like their shot. Or the physical profile, or like how fast they are. It's it's the size of their backside um, and how quick they can move. And <laughs> Onyek, <laughs> Onyeka and Congo, he's got a large butt and huge thighs. Uh, I love those tall players. You know, the thick players who have strong cores because um, it it's a player that shows that like they're going to have the strength to be able to compete against NBA players. You know, whether they're you know, someone like PJ Tucker, who's got a large trunk, um, you know, he can he can defend up, down, because he can move around quickly, and he's not going to get moved over in the post because of how strong he is. Um, Okungu is a, a very, very strong player. He's very fast. He's got quick feet. Um, he's only like six foot nine, so he's not quite as tall as your traditional center, um, but he makes up for that just because he's so strong and explosive off the floor with two feet. Um, I think he's got just great defensive instincts and he can score down low. And if you are a center and you want to be able to to succeed in this league and be someone that can play more than 30 minutes a game, you have to be at least a, a neutral on offense. You have to be able to do something for defenses to respect you. Um, and he's, he's a lot of threat. He can rebound. He can score in the post. And then on defense, he's just uh, excellent on that end where he can defend out to the perimeter. He can move around. He can guard the pick and roll. Um, he can defend at the rim. And, um, you know, he can finish possessions by defensive rebounding.
0: And gotcha. so when
1: I when I watch him play, I see, I guess, to make a, a comp to that 2017 draft, I see a lot of, like, bam out of bio in his game where he's someone yeah. that... Can, has the ability and like has the physical tools that he could potentially become more of a playmaker. Um he he's got a, a good work ethic and he just has so much physical tools and mental IQ that he's going to be successful. I think that he has a really high floor. Um, I don't know how high of a ceiling because I I don't trust his outside shot, but I do think that even though he doesn't have like you know he's not going to be someone like a Kristaps Porzingis stroke and three pointers, but he has the ability to put the ball on the, on the court and uh, also find players you know, by passing. He has good vision. So I, I, I trust that he'll be able to succeed and um, be a really valuable player in the, in the league for a long time.
0: Yeah. Hey, that all sounds a lot like Bam Adebayo. And, and I totally agree with you that, hey, somebody who profiles that well physically, somebody who maybe because of that physical size, maybe because of that athleticism and versatility, you could play him at the five, but you could also play him as your de facto four and play him next to a Myers Leonard type like they do with the Miami Heat. Somebody who's a really big shooting big, but you also get a little bit of size on the floor to, to play a little bit better defensively. Uh, I like that. I, I like that pick. It's, it's not necessarily the guy who I would project because I see him, if he doesn't develop that playmaking, Something that Bam has done a really, really nice job of. He's he he showed pretty early on in his in his NBA career that he had a great handle. Uh, Onyeko I some from some of the highlights that I've watched from him, from some of the game film that I watched of him, he's got some nice face-up moves. He can he can put the ball on the floor a little bit. I'm not sure how well it's going to translate, but we're going to see. Uh, the numbers were prolific, though. You are right. And if he can play in a switching system, I could see him being really, really valuable. Um, okay, give me another guy who you trust, who you think, hey, this is this guy. If it's not going to be Okwongu, it's going to be this guy.
1: Um, I, th- I think this guy's just going to be a solid NBA player, kind of like, a, like an Eric Gordon kind of archetype. Um, and that's Anthony Edwards, uh, a okay. shooting guard who's played at Georgia this last season. He's he's consistently been like a top five projected top, a consistent top five pick. Um, he's a very athletic um, player. He can shoot. He can drive. Um, I'm not sure how much of a playmaker he's going to be. Um, I, I don't know how great of a defender he's going to be. I, I don't think he's going to be bad. I just don't think he's going to be, Someone you're like, oh yeah, he's he's locking up his guy, um, but I I think he has, I think he has a good floor. Um, I, I'm just not sure how high his ceiling is.
0: I I'm interested in him specifically because I think I think I would go higher with him a little bit. Like uh, he reminds me of a little bit of Donovan Mitchell, just from the physical perspective, from his ability to get downhill, get off of his feet really quick even when he's in traffic, he can elevate over guys and really display some of that athlete, elite athleticism that you need to become a star in the NBA. Uh, you're right. Hey, scoring instincts with him. He's one of the three guys I think I would project uh, that I think just in this short time that I've that I've really started evaluating this thing that I've really circled and said, hey, I could see this guy putting up star numbers, whether that's uh, 25 points and four rebounds, four assists. I think that's that seems like if he was to be given his own team, like that seems pretty reasonable to me. But um, we're going to see with him uh, six foot four guards, six eight wingspan. Uh, shooting if the shooting clicks, I mean, he was at 77% from the free throw line. That's pretty good when you consider guards in college for the most part. He did shoot 29% from 3 are you concerned given the high volume there?
1: No, he's he's pretty young. I I I think that that's something that he can he probably doesn't need to get it up into like the 40% range, but if he can be at like 34, 35%, I think he'll be fine.
0: Yeah, as just somebody that you you consistently have to respect, can't give him a lot of leeway there, and even if you got it higher than that, like it if it's 36, 37, 38, like the higher you push that, the the more dangerous he's going to end up becoming. Um, I I'm high on him. I think that that's somebody who I could really see popping. Uh, I'm gonna give you one of mine because because you've given me two of yours. I think one guy that people like to talk about consistently is Obi Toppin, and I. I kind of see it with him. I see the the big Amari Stoudemire comp, comp that comes with him as a six foot nine big, not necessarily a long athleticism, but somebody who's super athletic, just uh, good post player, very versatile skill set, high leaping ability. I think his floor is very high. Like with uh, with Okongu, uh, I, I am never going to be able to pronounce that name. By the way, I, it's it's going <laughs> to be. I, I'm probably just call, I'm gonna call him Onyeka. Uh, with his with his first name, there you go. Uh, but his floor as somebody who could potentially lead a bench offense, uh, even if he doesn't hit, even if he doesn't get all the defensive stuff to go his way, I could see him following a a Montrezl Harrell type path, where where he's a consistently productive big, high volume rebounder, high volume scorer. Um, doesn't necessarily defend a ton, but if you're if you're in a position where you need a, a role man at the five who could do different things, like he seems like a guy who could do that. But then if the defense clicks a little bit with him and if he gets up to 20 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, it starts to look pretty good. Uh, what do you think of Obi Toppin?
1: Um, I, I just have big concerns about his defense, um, and that would make me not want to take him in the top ten. Uh, okay. I I get like Drew Gooden vibes, <laughs> you know, where it's like, okay, this guy can, he can put the ball in the basket. If you give him enough shots and he can get some rebounds, but like, what is he doing on defense? Like I, he's not big enough um, or fast enough. I think, you know, laterally I, he's definitely, you know, fast enough to score and transition, but I'm not sure how fast he can, you know, transition from the perimeter to the rim. To, to you know to block shots um in the NBA. So I, I just have concerns about his defense and you know like if if like you described him as the floor is someone that can lead a bench office bench offense, like I don't want to use a top ten pick on a guy who I'm like, well he can he'll be good off the bench for me. Like I just feel like there are players that have higher ceilings that I would want to take a chance on in the top ten. I think I think he can be a valuable player, but I just wouldn't take him in the top ten.
0: I get that. Honestly, like the, with this draft, because of how flat it is, because there's, there's not a ton of star power up top. Like you're going to have players that range all over a draft board. For me, if I, if I'm taking top end, like I I would have to have great defenders on the perimeter and, and players that I feel like can switch and really cover for him. Um, but it may still not be enough. It it may be in a situation where if you draft him and plan to give him a big role, you're never going to have an elite championship caliber defense. And that's a problem. So I I do fully acknowledge those concerns. Uh, Okay. Give me one more player that you would want to talk about before we get into Sam Vecini's draft board.
1: Sure. Um, I'll go with Cole Anthony uh, point guard at UNC. Um, UNC didn't have a very good team this year. And Anthony had some injury problems, but he comes from a good basketball family. Um, and he's, he's a really talented point guard. And I think that he might fall down boards because he just didn't have a very good year at UNC. But I, I think that whoever is, if he falls out of the top 10, uh, some team's going to be really happy with, with getting him. Um, I think he's, he's got a really, really good basketball IQ. Um, I think he has the skills to be successful and he's, he's a player I really like.
0: How how would you compare him to Kobe white? Who was drafted last year for the
1: Chicago bulls. Kobe's more of a score. Um, okay. Anthony's more a point guard that knows when to, when he needs to score, but he's much more comfortable just leading the offense um, or Kobe's someone that wants to get downhill and attack. Um, I think Anthony's, more comfortable, just you know, taking what the defense is giving him and figuring out where he wants to go and then getting there and getting his shot off. Um, but I, I don't think he's like Kobe's kind of like a, you know, like similar to like a deer and fox, where he's like he's most valuable getting downhill, going towards the rim and creating opportunities, whereas Cole Anthony can kind of just like, just like a more physical version of Monte Morris. Okay. Okay. I can see that. And, and
0: that's a good player. When you, when you get into this discussion and and you want to get solid players and the guards at this level are, they're all over the place. Like there's a wide range of guards at the top of this board who could potentially fill different roles who are completely different styles. And Cole Anthony is just another one of those guys that, he has some concerns, but the concerns probably aren't more or less than, than a lot of these other guys like Lamelo ball and, and Anthony Edwards and uh, even Killian Hayes, who's another guy who I would bring up in this discussion as, as, Hey, a, a strong playmaker who's very young, uh, very left-hand dominant, but, but still somebody who I think could potentially pop. Um,
1: Like Cole, Cole Anthony, like half, half of his three pointers were assisted, right? So he, Half of the other half, he's taking off the dribble, right? and he yeah. still shot thirty four percent of them. You know, he didn't. He only averaged like four assists a game, but you know that doesn't mean that he's not making good passes. Your teammates have to knock down shots, right? So he's a guy that, you know, he can he can shoot well at the rim. Um, if you know if the floor is spaced a little bit better, um, I think if you surround him with players that can knock down shots, his his assist numbers would go up. And, you know, then if he's not having to take as many shots off the dribble, um, especially, you know, for his three-pointers, I think that percentage is going to rise. So you're gonna, you're looking at a guy that has, you know, can be a low turnover, shoot, you know, 37%, good rebounder, good defender, um, and, you know, a guy that's just going to be uh, a, a smart point guard. And I think that's really valuable.
0: I'm gonna have to do more film work on him because he's he's not somebody who who I had pegged as as that next star type that could that could really make a difference for a team. Okay, some of the other guys that I think we should talk about before uh before getting into some more nuggets centric discussion. Um Lamello Ball, mentioned him before, tall 6'6 guard, elite passer, poor shooter, poor defender. Uh, do you have a LaMelo ball take?
1: I actually think he's going to be a good defender like his brother um, just as he becomes more comfortable with his um, or bulked out body um, he's gotten right. a lot stronger and I think that he he had a lot of he had a lot of shots to take in Australia and so he he took them but I think that he's smart enough that he would be able to fit in better with an nBA team um i it's bad news because I'm not a huge LeVar Ball fan, but LaMelo is good. And I, I, I didn't mention him just because I feel like he's going to get a lot of talk, but LaMelo is going to be a good NBA player. Okay.
0: That's, hey, that's probably the rare guy in this draft that you can definitely count on as being solid, that even if he doesn't pop, he could definitely be a starter on a team and, and is projects to be I, at least somebody who could get to that level. I, I think he's going to be better than Lonzo. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. And Lonzo's really turned his game around. It, it it wasn't looking good for a little bit in LA, but he, he looks really good in, in new Orleans, just in a different role. Somebody who's a lot more complimentary and not as much of a, a ball dominant player. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have a strong lamella ball take yet. I just think he has to score. I think he's going to have to learn how to do that and do so efficiently while balancing being a great passer while balancing doing all of those things. And so we're going to see, we're going to see what he can do. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful for him. I don't know if I would draft him to be the the face of my franchise, but not necessarily from a personality standpoint. Like I, I think he'll be, he'll be fine there. He'll be independent of his dad and all of those concerns. But um, I, I don't know if I trust him to be an effective enough point scorer to handle the load that he would have to it. Ad- Today's landscape as a as a primary playmaker, you know.
1: Hmm.
0: But we'll see. We'll see. He could. He could definitely be it. Um, Lamelo Ball is number one on Sam's board. Anthony Edwards is two. Obi Toppin is three. James Wiseman is four. He's a guy who. I mean, he's gets maligned for being a center. Is one of those guys like like Oneka, who? It definitely the the move to the modern NBA has not been kind to those guys. Um, is James Wiseman the best athlete in this class?
1: No, I think Okungwu is
0: for a big. Okay. okay. Well, what's
1: your what's your James Wiseman take then? Um, I think he's a really raw version of uh, kind of like an NBA center. Um, uh, what's the what's the name of the guy that? plays for the Knicks, um, Mitchell Robinson. Robinson. I think he's like a raw version of Mitchell Robinson, who can't block shots, can't score in the post, can't pass, and uh, looks lost on defense. So <laughs> he's—I think—he's two years away from being a rotation player. I—I don't—I I think he could be a really valuable piece for a contender because he'd be brought into a good culture. Um, the coaches would be like, "Look." You're not going to do these things that you like because you, this isn't high school anymore. And he wouldn't have to play very many minutes. So he could you know, get time in the G League, um, get working with NBA coaches and figure out how to actually put his body to use. But I, I'd just be concerned that he'd be able to actually put all those physical tools together, which is a scary thing to think about. So let's say the Golden State Warriors drafted him. Would
0: you would you be happy with him in that situation? Like complimenting a guy like Draymond Green, who loves to throw lobs to bigs, uh, be kind of like, uh, "Hey, don't touch the ball. Uh, you're never you're never going to touch the ball in our offense because we have a lot of other guys who can do that can do that stuff." Is that the kind of situation you're talking about?
1: Um, I mean, they already kind of have someone like him and Damian Jones, or they had someone like him, and they got rid of him. Um, I'd be worried that Draymond Green would kill him, but <laughs> so I don't think he'd be a good fit for the Warriors because Draymond might be like, he's never playing on the court with me, and then you lose that threat. So, you know,
0: I, I, I don't know. I, I think I would push back on that a little bit because they they really got along with Marquise Chris this year. And while that's not like the, the like, they, they still suck this year, don't get me wrong, but like, he was one <laughs> of those guys in Marquise Chris who clearly was was falling out of the league. He was falling out ass backwards and off the Phoenix Suns for that matter. So he he was with the the Houston Rockets, then the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they found a home in Golden State and they seemed to like him. They seemed to think that he could he could fit well and he doesn't seem like a guy who like he seems like where James Wiseman could hopefully be in his rookie year. And then James Wiseman could build upon that and maybe become a starting center. For example, I could see him on the Portland Trailblazers with Lillard and McCollum. Uh, that seems like a, a good fit for a guy like that who you don't necessarily need him to do a lot except screen for those guys and roll hard to the rim and be a lob threat. Like, Could he be the Hassan Whiteside for that type of team?
1: Yeah, Whiteside's a good comp for him. <laughs> Which, <you> know, <laughs> Whiteside took a couple years to figure things out.
0: So... Daniel Lewis is not super high on James Wiseman.
1: Uh, I mean, just – he could be good in a couple years, but he just needs to get stronger and smarter. I, I yeah. think if for, – for a team like the Warriors, that's probably – you're right. It's probably a better fit than a team where they're going to be like, hey, we need you to play, you know, 29 minutes a game. I think it would be a disaster if, if he's put in that kind of a situation.
0: Yeah. He definitely seems like a 15 to 20 minute per game rookie who slowly gets brought into the mix and slowly gets put into more rotation situations. So, but we'll see. I'm um, I'm looking forward to seeing that development. That's that's going to be a guy who Nuggets fans, I, you're probably not going to need to track a lot, but if you're interested in the draft, he's a guy who I think is going to be interesting. Um next that was number 4, uh, Tyrese Halliburton's number 5, which if you're if you're getting to number five and Tyrese Halliburton is your fifth guy, then that, that to me says that your draft is
1: pretty weak, you know? That's a bad sign, I think. I yeah. I, I see a lot of, uh, like, George Hill in Halliburton's game. Like, yeah. You know, I, I don't – you don't want to give him – like, George Hill shouldn't be one of your, like, top three scoring threats, you know? And so if if you're drafting him that early, you're going to want him to do certain things, and I don't think he's – Capable, about he's really good at what he's like. You know, George Hill kind of things. But if you ask him to do too much, he's gonna he's gonna look bad. Yeah,
0: I can I could definitely see that. He's a he's definitely a guy who, if you want him to carry a higher usage, I I think he's gonna struggle. Just just as a guy who he's not super athletic, never gonna be a super athlete. Seems like the ultimate solid role player for sure. But I I don't think you want that guy at the fifth overall pick and that could lead to him sliding that could lead to a, a team that's in a better position to take a role player to take him in, and they'd feel pretty good about themselves and they'd get the 10th best player in the draft, but he'll, he'll probably still be the, the 10th or the eighth best player in the draft. No matter, no matter where he's picked. Uh, but you know, he's definitely not going to be top five. I think um, next is number six Onyeka. Uh, he's a, he's a guy that I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, but, but, I will continue to do my due diligence on him. Uh, number seven is Killian Hayes, who he gets D'Angelo Russell comparisons. Do you think that's fair?
1: I think that's fair. I think Hayes, I mean, there's a lot of risk, I guess, when, you know, taking international guards. Um, but I, I think Hayes has a, you know, a smooth style of play. And, I, I mean, obviously he's, he's going to take a few years to just kind of transition, but I think he could be okay.
0: Yeah. And when watching some film and watching some highlights of him, the, the word creativity kind of pops up just because of the way that he makes some passes. He, he's not always in the, the initial play, but when he, he continues to follow through on certain plays, makes a creative pass after that, that's definitely the, the international game in him where they, they continue to move the ball make the extra pass and him being able to do some of that stuff at 18, I think is a really good sign. Um, he and Edwards, I think, are the the guards that I would bet on to become stars in this draft. Um, but I mean, that's that's not a great sign because neither of those guys, I think, uh, they at least both have major concerns. Like for Killian Hayes, he he likes to dribble with his left hand and go left a lot, and that's a that's a D'Angelo Russell staple, to be clear. But um, so you could you could definitely still be good, but you may not ever be great, you know. That's good
1: news for the Timberwolves.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, uh, they're going to be in an interesting spot. I actually think – quick quick aside on the Timberwolves. If you took Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell and pitted them against Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, I think that if you gave the, the Timberwolves guys the Nuggets three starters, uh, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, they'd still be pretty good. They'd probably be a 50-win team. I'm not sure they'd be a 54 win team or a 55 win team like the Nuggets, and I still think that Denver can go even higher because I think Jamal Murray has a little bit higher to go than D'Angelo Russell does. But they're still they're still pretty good, and, and I, I still think that you could you could like Timberwolves fans shouldn't be full on despair mode. It is what I'm trying to say.
1: Um, I think Towns and Russell are both. You know, slightly worse than Jokic and Murray. So yeah. I, I'm, I don't, I don't. See, I think you're going to need better players than Barton, Harris, and Millsap in order to get to 50 wins. But I, I, I think that you're probably comfortable in the like 37 to 42 win range just with those two guys, which is fine. You know, that's that's par for the course for the Timberwolves.
0: Okay, moving right along. Uh, Killian Hayes was at seven. Devin Vassell, and it is Vassell, not Vassell.
1: I think it's Vassell.
0: Ooh, okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna see. We'll go Devin Vassell right now because I'm trusting you. Uh, he's at number eight, and he's my favorite player. He's my favorite draft prospect in this entire draft because it is so easy for me to see him having a big role on a championship team. 66 six wing, 610 wingspan, prototypical guy, like he's just your 3 and D guy, right?
1: I agree. Yeah, I, I I would love to see him slip to the Nuggets at 21, um which is where they're currently at with the Rockets pick, but I yep. I, I highly doubt that.
0: Yeah, it just it just seems like a team will fall in love with with that skill set and he might draft to the bottom end of the lottery. Like that that to me seems like a a reasonable thing if a team wants to go for more upside than, than him. But he's got a little bit of playmaking chops as well. I would comp him to, like, a, a Wesley Matthews, Danny Green, shorter Otto Porter
1: even. Like, I could see all of that. I mean, I, I think uh, I think you're going to get a comparable level of defense to the the rookie out of Washington that the 76ers took, um, whom you love. What's his name?
0: Uh, Tybalt. Uh,
1: yeah, Matisse Thybul, and but you're going to get better, a better offensive player. Um, That's high praise. I, I think he's, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a really good player. I now, I'm, he, I'm right there with you. The, re, the reason he's not going to be a top five pick is because I I don't know if the playmaking is there, and so he's he's li, he's limited what he can do on offense. But he's good in within that you know those confines. So he if you give him a specific role, he's going to be very very talented at that. Um, and on the road, he could be a secondary playmaker, but um, I, th- I think he's a great—he's going to be a great role player for a team.
0: Yeah, one point six assists per game at Florida State in just under twenty-nine minutes. Um, yeah, I, I just—I don't see it. And their their system is definitely set up to not be great for offense and and consistent uh, playmaking for guys. They they get a lot of athletes, and they usually have a really solid defense and whatnot, but. Uh, I would be concerned with with his playmaking as well. But that's why it seemed like the Nuggets makes a lot of sense because they don't need a lot of playmaking. They've got Jokic and Murray, and hopefully they've got Porter. And if you, if you add Devin Vessel to that, then you're looking pretty good.
1: Yeah, if, if you swapped him out for Gary Harris, I would uh, – I'd miss Gary Harris and his veteran contributions, but I'd be okay with that, I think.
0: Yeah, it just seems like he's a a consistent guy who makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams, and he'll fit into pretty much every situation. Okay, two more guys on the top ten before we hit a break. Uh, Isaac Okoro of Auburn, 6'6 wing, 6'9 wingspan. Uh, I don't really have a big take on Okoro other than the fact that he kind of reminds me of Justice Winslow. Um,
1: Miles Bridges, yeah. Miles Bridges, yeah.
0: Yeah, it just seems like a – an okay wing somebody who could get really like like you think that he's going to be good because he fits that body type but doesn't necessarily ultimately pan out
1: um Um, yeah i i I think he'll be a solid wing i i i don't know if he is going to be as good as Devin Vassell, but i don't think he's going to be much you know much worse than him I, i think he'll be fine sure
0: uh, then the last guy is Denny Avicha. I think that's how you pronounce, or Denny Agia. How, how would you pronounce no that last name? Okay, cool. I, then we're just gonna we're just gonna call him Denny from uh from Israel. Uh, six foot nine forward, playmaker, shooter potential. Uh, but he's also got some role playing potential right now, like as, as a guy who kind of fits in and, and does a lot of different things. Would you be comfortable taking him as an international guy,
1: uh, given that we've seen a lot of those guys fall through? Yeah, I think last I heard, he might stay in Israel for a couple seasons, which is a decision that he's making. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think he's probably the best small, like, true small forward in the draft. Um, Basil and Okoro more like two guards. They can yeah. sometimes play down. Um, but, yeah, I love Denny. Yeah, I think he'll be a, a good small forward.
0: That'll do it for part one of our NBA discussion regarding the 2020 NBA Draft class. Got some good discussion about the stars at the top. Whether you think those guys are going to be stars, I'd love to hear your takes. When we come back tomorrow, we'll be talking about the Nuggets. We'll be talking about the mid to late first round guys who we think makes the most sense, who Dan thinks makes the most sense as the 21st pick in the NBA Draft going to be a really interesting talk. I hope you tune in. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.